Welcome to Corner of the Galaxy on cornerofthegalaxy.com. I'm Josh Gessman along with Corey Ritzow. And on today's show, we're going to recap the 1-0 victory over the Seattle Sounders and discuss what worked for us and what didn't. We'll be taking your calls, breaking down the game, and all the usual stuff we do right here on the show. Then we'll take a look at the Western Conference matchup with Sporting Kansas City making its way into Carson and the unfriendly confines of Stub Up Center. And to talk about it all, we'll be joined by LA Galaxy striker and midfielder Jose Villarreal. It's a packed show, and we don't have a moment to lose. You're listening to Corner of the Galaxy on cornerofthegalaxy.com, and it all starts right now. You're listening to Corner of the Galaxy on cornerofthegalaxy.com. Now here are your hosts, Josh Gessman and Corey Ritza. Welcome back to Corner of the Galaxy on cornerofthegalaxy.com. I am Josh Kessman. He is Mr. Corey Ritzel in the house with you once again to discuss your LA Galaxy. That's what we do here on Corner of the Galaxy. Talk 100% LA Galaxy 100% of the time. Well, 99% of the time. Sometimes we get off on a tangent just every once in a while. But the LA Galaxy coming off of a 1-0 win over the Seattle Sounders. A, uh, a good win, so to speak. A... Uh, a good effort, some good individual efforts, Corey. Some stuff that we haven't seen. Um, some actual battles played out, and, and the galaxy came out on top. Are we are we off the ledge now, or where are we? No, I'm no, I, I'm always right next to the ledge, Corey. I don't think it's. Uh, I don't think you ever get too far away from the ledge. If you're a real fan, I don't think you ever get too far away from the ledge. Do you? Do, do, you, do you think whenever fans of the Oakland A's, whenever they won all those games in a row, set a major league record, do you think there were some fans that after they lost the game, they were all like, oh, oh it's, it's over. It's over. We're never going to make it. The fire Bruce hashtag is, is, becomes the thing pretty quickly. It is, uh, it is used more uh, uh, you know, sarcastically now of than course, realistically. Of but yes, But yes, the fire Bruce hashtag is a real thing. So. No, I mean, so let's just, let's just talk about the game. Obviously, the first thing in terms of lineups would be two key players from e- one from each team did not play. Right? Yeah. I mean, that's the that's the first thing that that's the first thing everybody actually. I think Seattle's lineup came out first. Is is what I remember is Seattle's lineup came out first, Corey. And you hear, of course, that we would not be seeing uh, one Clint Dempsey. One Clint Dempsey, and so everybody's like, "Hey, no Clint Dempsey, all right." You know, for the Galaxy, playing fans are all right. And then you get the LA Galaxy lineup, and you hear that you won't have 
one Robbie Keane. So yeah. yeah, I was like, oh, okay. So there's an eye for an eye. I love how ESPN put it though. ESPN in their tweet after the game, uh, after the Galaxy had won victoriously, one to nothing, is that uh, without Clint Dempsey, the Seattle Sounders lose to the LA Galaxy. It's like, hey. I'm sorry, but one of the one of these guys is the best. The reigning player. MVP is chopped liver. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The reigning MVP, the guy who has probably been the best designated player ever in the history of Major League Soccer. Actually, not probably. He is the best designated player ever whoa, in the history whoa, of Major whoa. League Soccer. What? He's the best designated player ever in the history of Major League Soccer. It's not even a close. What about one Landon Donovan? American player, great. Give me a, yeah. give, he's give a me des- a, but he's a designated player. Okay, I'm sorry. Best international designated player. Is that there you go. better? Okay, sorry. There you go. Qu- quantify, qualify. I understand. All right. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry. But anyway, so you have that, and then, oh, yeah, Clint Dempsey. You know, whatever. whatever. Eh. Meh. Meh. That's what I say to Clint Dempsey. Meh. Well, let, so let's talk a little bit about the game. I mean, the, I, I'm going to take a little bit of a victory lap here these first 10 minutes because uh, it's it. something that we talked about on last week's podcast. I think Bruce realized he was asking some people to do some things that they weren't capable of doing. He was asking Baja Husidic to partner in the middle with Juninho, and he kind of realized that. And instead, instead of trying to play that, that normal 4-4-2, he switched things around, and he wasn't afraid to clog the middle of the field because he realized he didn't have somebody out there that could do what a Marcelo Sarvis could do. Right. Okay. That makes some sense. What so about, what about the Juninho formation? And, and Rafa, who played really well, Rafa Garcia. Right. Kind of in that holding role, used his young energy, the youthful legs, to kind of be in a little bit more defensive positions. Mm-hmm. Put Ishi and Husidic on out wide, and and wasn't afraid to drop Giassi down and, and kind of, you know, fill a little bit of a role that we haven't seen him with. Where a lot of times we've seen him hold that high line and Keen be the one that's checking back into midfield, but this time it was switched around with with Gordo playing up high. Yeah, I mean, this is the uh, the big news for those people who think that Bruce Arena is incapable of playing anything but a four four two. Technically speaking, the way that they lined up on this would be a four five one with Alan Gordon sort of being that lone guy up there. Although Jossie certainly was involved in a lot of the build up and and a lot of going forward. But if we're talking about people who had a good game for me, it, it's it's Alan Gordon had an unbelievable game in in my mind. I mean, just bad. It wasn't so much technical. Yes, he got the goal, Corey. Yes, he, you know, I mean, Alan Gordon has has two goals on the season. I think he scored seven goals since coming back to the LA Galaxy. I would never believe that whenever that happened. Um, but, you know, Alan Gordon coming back, uh, doing work against Seattle. I mean, he got beat up. It was physical for 90-plus minutes. Um, he did the hold-up play that you need Alan Gordon to do. Uh, he scored a goal, and he frustrated Seattle. That was the thing the Galaxy did. Whether or not they did, they played really well, Corey, which I don't think that they played up to their standards, um, they frustrated Seattle on the night. No, I mean, I would, I would certainly agree, and and uh, but it obviously, you know, you have to, you have to talk about Pinedo and some of the work that that he did in the game, um, and so it, it was definitely a, a back and forth there, but uh, for him to come in and, and play the type of role and, and battle against somebody like a Chad Marshall, you know, he did what was expected of him, and and then obviously when when the Galaxy do have set pieces. You know, you kind of have to pick your poison if, if you know, you have somebody dominant in the air like a Chad Marshall. Are you going to put him on Gonzalez or are you going to put him on Gordon? And you kind of have to pick your poison when it comes to that. And and in the end, it was, you know, it was a combination where I think it's it's almost become a standard set piece play that, that the Galaxy have begun to run now this past year, year and a half, 
where Gonzalez peels off to the back post. They try to hit that little floater over the top, and if Omar can't necessarily get enough oomph on it to to get ahead on it, all he's going to do is just put it right back across the front of the, the front of goal, and right. and uh, Gordon knows where to be. Yeah, I mean, it is a set play. It is something the Galaxy do a lot. Um, but you know, it worked. But how it, do you stop it? How do you stop it? Well, you. I mean, at six five, you know, if he's if he's able to go in and, yeah. and kind of get into that position and beat you to the spot, how do you stop? Yeah. I don't think you can stop Omar Gonzalez from getting to the ball. I think what you need to do is put pressure on him, put body on him, so that way he can't get his momentum moving towards the goal and has to play it back across the goal. I think that's what you try to do. Um, but if you're anybody else playing the LA Galaxy, you have to absolutely a hundred percent have to follow your runners. I mean, uh, listen, Alan Gordon was on the back post unmarked and the only person marking Alan Gordon was Jossie Zardes who would have scored if Alan Gordon wouldn't have scored. So two guys were going to put that ball in the net. It was Alan Gordon, which he was in the right place. Jossie Zardes also in the right place. They were both in the right place. But if you're Seattle, you have to be upset that you just completely just it's a floating ball. Look at Look how amazing it is. Oh, look at Omar go up for that ball. That was a really good jump there, Omar. Oh, oh, who's guarding? Uh, who's guarding Gordon and Jossie on the back post? I mean, it's that kind of lapse that I think if you're Seattle who had the better of the chances in this game, um, I think that you're you're upset that you walked away from this one without any points whatsoever. And maybe the Galaxy deserved to win one of those games where they were maybe a little outplayed as far as chances were concerned, Corey. Sure, and let's talk about the reason why they were kept in the game, and that's somebody that had been quote-unquote benched um, or was out with a, an injury that the player didn't even know that he had. Contra- <laughs> contract issues, perhaps? Yeah. And uh, all of a sudden, you know, things get settled down, and, and he comes in and and is able to play one of the best games that we've seen reminiscent of the playoff game. Was it against RSL last, uh, yes. Uh, yes. last season? Absolutely, against RSL. And Hyman Pinedo was named, for his 10 saves, was named MLS Player of the Week. Uh, by Major League Soccer, so that's a good honor for him. It's interesting. You know, it's definitely somebody who I have been very critical of, Corey, um, and I've said that, you know, I want to see more for him and trying to see sure. where he is but in I, the hierarchy I, I, of Galaxy Keepers. Right, and I think that the biggest thing is that um, his strengths were shown off in the way that Seattle challenged him, in that he is an amazing shot stopper, mm-hmm. and nobody's ever questioned that ability out of him. Right. The the criticism that's always been levied against him has been his ability to communicate with his defenders, when to come out, when not to come out, you know, you know, who's gonna play the cross and how they're gonna play. Right. Um a lot of those things are where, you know, when the ball gets passed back to him that your heart still races a little bit. Right. Those are the areas that, that people have criticized him the most for. But there wasn't a lot of that, and and maybe it's because you have somebody like AJ and Omar who are back there and familiar with one another, so there's not going to be that opportunity for confusion or unfamiliarity. But really, he just got to you know see the ball, stop the ball, and it's something that he's pretty pretty dang good at. Yeah, I mean, he was consistent in this game. It was what you expected. Um, if you wanted to know of of the LA Galaxy goalkeepers, I think who have had. Um, 4,500 minutes or more, sort of where the hierarchy of goals against average goes for. Donovan Ricketts is actually number one by by uh, by a little bit um, under Kevin Hartman, all right? So that goes. If Jaime Pinedo were to get above that 4,500 and keep his goals against average right now, he would actually fit in between Donovan Ricketts and Kevin Hartman. So maybe the statistics back up 
or, or prove to me a little bit, Corey, that he's better than I think he is. But you're right. He's really good at blocking shots. It's, his strength is making saves, right? It's the decision-making and some of his plays out of the back and his communication that you and I have always questioned and I think that other people question and that leads me to maybe, in my mind, not think of him so much as one of those elite L.A. Galaxy keepers going, you know, way back into the days. Well, I mean, obviously he's had an MLS Defender of the Year in front of him the whole time, you know. And in he's AJ Del Garza should be. Yeah, I was gonna. I was gonna say, do we have to go over the fact that um, that probably uh, the the defender the M, the defender of the year in Major League Soccer, which was Omar Gonzalez, probably deserved more to go to AJ Del Garza than than maybe Omar Gonzalez. What do you did think? Omar win, Omar didn't win it. Did Omar win it last year? No, he didn't. No, he didn't. No, but no, it no. Was, it was, it was but previous, I mean, Omar yes. certainly deserved it in, in 2011 when he won when he won the award. Yeah, but how much of that? And this is so totally side no, tangent. No, how no, much no, of that no, is no, AJ? Whenever no, you pair not in those 2011. Two, oh, I don't know. Anytime, not in 2011. Anytime besides this last United States men's national team, almost. That's by the way. That is some of the best defending I've seen Omar play in. And not afraid to get forward a little bit in that game either. Yeah, but like smartly. It wasn't like he does with the Galaxy sometimes where he tries to dribble through people. It was smartly in choosing the right time. All right, let's talk about this in segment three because I'm sure we got that saved away. But I agree. And 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 you you cannot convince me otherwise that Omar wasn't by far and away the best defender in 2011. Okay. And it wasn't even close. I'm not going to argue with you. Okay. Anyway, yes. Okay. So yes, had had that had those had a really good defense playing in front of him. And while while Hartman, you know, had so many great years and and helped hoist the cup a couple times, he also had some years where he was playing between the sticks for some people in front of him that were not Robin Frazier. Right. Right, I know, yeah, which which makes his his record, and whenever you look at how many games he played for the LA Galaxy, it's so many more than anybody else. Um, you have to appreciate that goals against record even more, being second behind Donovan. I think Donovan Ricketts played something like 70 games for the LA Galaxy. Right. And, and, Kevin and he played it, and, he, and both, of them, uh, both of the goalkeepers we're talking about in Pinedo and Ricketts were in front of... De La Garza and Gonzalez. Yeah, yeah, and, and they had it. And so when you look at that, obviously the defense contributes, but Jaime Pinedo stepped up and did his job. Let's talk about some other people who did their job besides Alan Gordon. We talked a little bit about him. Um, we talked Jaime Pinedo. Uh, you mentioned him in your, in your sort of intro there is Rafa Garcia. Um, what did you see? What did you expect? And, and were, you, were you a little surprised at the performance that he turned in? Well, in terms of what we talked about, he was what the Galaxy were missing. I mean, you, you chose to frame it in, in terms of heart for the Galaxy last week. And I just said, look, you just can't expect Baggio to cover the type of ground, especially on the defensive end, uh, that we've seen from Juni and Sarvas over the years. But right. Garcia's younger, and he's got the legs, and he's not afraid to get stuck in, and he's able to cover that ground a lot more. And I was really impressed with his ability not only to – to you know get in the right spot defensively but then go ahead and and you know turn the ball forward and make positive passes to get the the attack going which is something that you know when we've seen him before we've seen him kind of in these spot roles where he comes on with 15 20 minutes left and his main job is to kind of get in there and and muck up the game and and you know bring his defensive energy but to see him from the start and get into the flow of a game and help in positive ways moving the ball forward into the attack I was pretty impressed by him I mean I think he I think he deserves another look it's just it'll be interesting to see when Robbie King comes back does Bruce stick with a similar type of a formation or 
does he does he you know move things around a little bit and and what does that look like? Yeah, I, I know what you mean. It is uh, it is interesting to see how sort of Rafa can find his way into this lineup if indeed you know Bruce thinks that he did enough to uh, to earn that. I mean, he was complimentary after the game, so I think that was good. Um, but it's just it's just a matter of of getting of clearing the space. I mean, the midfield is crowded for the Galaxy. Granted, there's some places that maybe we could be better and be stronger at, but it's still a crowded midfield even on the senior team. And so to see Rafa Garcia come up and and break into that, I'd love to see it because I love his heart and I love his fight and I think he played um, really well in the Seattle game. I just don't know how how he fits. I'm sort of with you. I don't know how he fits going forward and and how that does it. Let's uh let's get to a call here before we run out of time here in the first uh, segment. Let's go to uh, uh, Brian, Brian has an interesting take on this Seattle game. Hello, Josh. This is Brian from Hawaii. I just had to answer that really quickly. Anyways, I feel terrible for calling myself a fan for what I'm about to say, but to me that was not good enough. Uh, performance was not good in my opinion. Was it better than the last match? Certainly. Was it a success? Obviously. Was Seattle at their best? Absolutely not. And I think that was our saving grace, but I have four takeaways from this. Number one, Garcia played out of position the majority of the game. This left the right mid completely open, and that's never a good idea. And I think we looked out without Dempsey to drive Martins over there. And then second, the team had chemistry, and you can definitely see that in the play build-up and passes. However, the only goal came from a header, from a header, from an air ball. That's not impressive to me, considering how many times Pinedo had to save the team. I think this is something that we have to watch later stages in the later stages of the season and heading into the playoffs. All right, so I'll cut Brian off before he gets to all three of his points, but he's not happy, Corey. He does not think this performance is good. Are you and I swayed so much by the horrible, ridiculous, crappy performance in Vancouver that we can't possibly see what's in front of us, that the Seattle game was not a good game for the Galaxy? I mean, you take away your MVP, and I don't know what you expect. <laughs> it, um, it wasn't a great not, game, it's right? It's not going to be free-flowing, beautiful soccer when you, when you remove... Uh, Robbie Keenan put in an Alan Gordon with all apologies to Alan Gordon. Um, the type of soccer that he's going to bring on is going to look uh, a little less aesthetically pleasing than when you have the MVP. And just in terms of the out of position thing that he's talking about, mm-hmm. I, I, you know, I, I, I see what, I see what he means and kind of get where he's coming from, but we're talking about a team that has played a specific way for however many years going on. And when you switch to, a new formation. I, I'm not surprised that people might there might be an area here, an area there where people kind of getting in one another's way or areas vacated in the field that might normally otherwise be covered. But the back four did a you know a pretty good job, you know, and and obviously with Pinedo saves, you know, if, if two of those go in, maybe we're singing a different tune this you know this evening. But um I thought you know, regardless of the number of shots overall the defensive effort was pretty good considering um they were able to keep them scoreless and and uh there weren't too many of those chances that you thought i can't believe he didn't score there yeah i mean i am uh i i understand where brian's coming from i i get it i i understand it makes some sense to me as you sort of juxtapose the vancouver game the seattle game of course we're going to say seattle was much better one we got the win um but i mean if you allowed 10 shots on Jaime Pinedo, you, you didn't do a great job of shutting down Seattle. I think you got a little bit lucky, and I think everybody— But how would... many of those were like, I can't believe they didn't score? Two or three, though, right? I mean, there were some. Pinedo made two or three excellent saves where you were like, okay, they probably should have scored there. 
Maybe. I mean, it's two. Okay, so two. So they should have won two to one. I mean, you know, whenever you look at it, the Galaxy didn't have a lot going forward, but 10 shots on goal usually gets you more goals than what Seattle got, and Seattle got zero. So I can understand them being upset about it and, and, and not but, quite getting But the Galaxy had another chance here or there that, that maybe, you know, it, if it's a better effort, you know, they, had, they outshot Seattle, but just in terms of putting it on frame, um, Seattle did a better, a better job, but Pinedo was up to the task. Right. No, it, it makes some sense. All right. If you want to also call us and get in on the COG hotline where we'll try to take a couple more calls in the uh, in later in the segment without uh, after we get through with our interview here. So if you would like to call in the corner of the galaxy hotline, it's nine four nine. Oh, I forgot it already, Corey. I was just going to do it off memory because I'm like, I can totally do this off memory because I've said it oh, so many times. I was so proud of myself today because I remembered it for real. Whenever three eight five two six four one. Yeah, nine four nine three eight five two six four one nine four nine three eight five C O G one. Once I get it in my head, I will. I promise, I'll finally get it. But anyway, please call in, leave us your messages, and we'll play them right here on the show. All right. So what we're gonna do is we're gonna take a little break here, and whenever we get back, we're gonna be joined by LA Galaxy midfielder and striker Jose Villarreal. Talk a little bit about the Seattle game um, that he got to watch from the sideline, and then talk more about his. Uh, progression in the senior team and also what he's looking forward to and possibly getting back on the field against Kansas City. So still a bunch to talk about. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to Corner of the Galaxy on cornerofthegalaxy.com. We'll be right back. Ready for some more Corner of the Galaxy? Don't forget to head over to the website for all the latest podcasts, news, and more. Visit us online at cornerofthegalaxy.com. Hey, this is Chris. This is Eddie. This is Jason. And we're from Back Pocket Memory, and you're listening to Corner of the Galaxy. And welcome back to Corner of the Galaxy on cornerofthegalaxy.com. Josh and Corey back with you once again. And to talk about the upcoming game against Kansas City and his season so far, we welcome to the show for the very first time L.A. Galaxy striker and midfielder, Mr. Jose Villarreal. Jose, thanks for uh, stopping by. We certainly appreciate it. Uh, no problem. Thanks for having me. Yeah, no problems. Uh, you know, first things first, um, sort of want to find out how your injury is. I know lots of people worried. Haven't seen you out on the field here uh, a whole bunch. Bruce says that he, he thinks that uh, you'll be looking good for Kansas City. How are you feeling? I feel good. I feel good. Definitely uh, uh, very hopeful about uh, coming back for the Kansas City game. And then, uh, you know, I got a, g- a good group of uh, trainers out there that are helping me. And, and now I think I'll be ready for the Kansas City game. It, 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 that's good news. I know everybody was excited to watch you play so far this season. I sort of want to ask you what your mindset has been coming into this year. I know, obviously, last year probably wasn't exactly the way that you wanted it to go. Um, a lot of hardship in that, and, and, and now coming back and actually earning a spot on this uh, senior team and the starting role at that left mid role. How has that all sort of uh, uh, played out in your mind, and, and do you feel, feel good headed into uh, these next coming games? 
No, yeah, I mean, uh, the the last season was a bit hard, but uh, I mean, it was a, it was good that we won the championship. It was good for the organization that I that I truly love and respect. And then, you know, uh, this this for this year, I just came uh, into myself, just letting myself know that I need to play well and I need to make a difference out there. And then I feel like I've been doing that, and I feel like I, I definitely have more to give to the team, and, and definitely have a long way to go. Still, a long long season, and uh, definitely want to win another championship. That's for sure. Jose, Josh introduced you both as a striker and a midfielder, and you've you've been somebody who's sort of fluctuated both with the Galaxy and as well as uh, in your experience in the U.S. youth teams. Do you feel like you have a more natural position, or or what sort of do you view yourself as? I mean, I, I played a most of my most of my life as a second striker, so uh, that would be my mo- most natural position. But I, I feel very comfortable on the left. Left mid, uh, right mid, you know, as a, as a striker, I feel comfortable. So uh, there's re- it's really not a, a big difference, but uh, you know, anything that the coach wants, I'll, I'll definitely you know be supportive and I'll definitely contribute any way I can. Do you think that? Uh, do you think that because perhaps you play a similar style, Jose, to maybe somebody like Landon Donovan? Do you think that that helps you sort of fit in at that left mid role? Or is it? Are you just trying to make it your own? You're just trying to find playing time out there, and whatever position you have to play, you'll you'll be there. Yeah, I mean, I you know, I I would love to copy the way Landon Donovan plays. Uh, I mean, I'm sure any young guy out there would love to emulate what he has done for the for the game. So, um, you know, I learned from him throughout these uh, four years that I was with the with the team. So, uh, I definitely would love to 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 be as big as the impact that Landon was, but. I'm not trying to be like him, you know. I don't think there's anyone that's going to be as close to him as as, uh, as he was. So, uh, you know, I try to I try to fit in as much as possible with the guys. You know, they they kind of learn my style, I learn theirs. So, we just try to uh, be as uh, connected as as we can on the field. So, it just makes the game easier for for me and for them. It was reported that you obvi- um, that you turned down a, a call up to one of the youth teams. It's been a big year of preparations for things coming up, such as the Olympics and trying to make sure that you're in good with U.S. soccer to maybe secure a spot. But you know, it's also early in the season, and and maybe more importantly for you is making sure that you're earning playing time and setting yourself up for a successful club season this year. How difficult of a challenge is that for someone like yourself, where? Um, you, the attention is demanded in so many different directions. Yeah, I mean, uh, just to, just to make things clear, I never I never turned down the national team. Uh, you know, uh, the, the, those words never came out of my mouth. Uh, okay, uh, it was just a decision by Bruce and myself that, and mostly Bruce, that you know, I wasn't. He didn't want to let me go because he needed me more with the Galaxy than you know, as, as opposed to the national team. So. That was his decision by him, and, and, you know, I supported it. And, you know, I would never turn down my, my national team. And, uh, yeah, it's kind of, it, it is kind of tough, you know, deciding whether if I should go with the national team or if I should stay and if it will affect me with my playing time with the Galaxy or if it's going to affect me with the Olympic qualifying team. So it is tough, but, uh, you know, I just got to continue with, you know, with making progress here with the Galaxy and then, you know, the, the college will come and I just have to take advantage of them and, and, and seize the opportunity. Is that, is that a good thing to hear as a player when Bruce says, no, that we need you here? Yeah, it's definitely motivating for you to, for you to know that your coach wants you to stay and, and, and help out the team. And, and it makes you, it makes you uh, feel wanted. So 
it's definitely special and 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 definitely motivating for me to, to continue to push myself. Uh, Jose, um, you know, I know you have a, have a good relationship with your brother, both professional athletes. Uh, how does that sort of play out in your family? Is that a good thing? Is it a bad thing? Is there competition there? Uh, it's great. You know, it's not really a competition. You know, uh, we're we're uh, we're we're so similar in the way that we're not, you know, very competitive with each other to where we get mad at each other and we won't speak to each other for days. So <laughs> that's very good. And then you know, it's it's competitive in the way that. If I if I go out one day and score two goals, he wants to go out and score three. Just just that bragging rights around the house. So uh, it's just those those type of things. But it's just uh, all fair, all fair and, and games out there. What's different about this year? What sort of has has changed in your mind or changed in your play? Are you more determined more than anything this year, or or what what sort of has made this mood change and have you find so much success on the senior team? I mean, I I feel like I've always been determined. It's just I feel like I I really pushed myself this preseason, this off season to to really try and be different and and, and try and make a difference in the in the team and and uh, I really pushed myself this preseason physically and fitness wise to, to to be better and to be more fit to play a lot more minutes than I usually get to play. So uh, to make it harder for the coaches to decide whether if I'm on the 18 starting lineup or if I have to come out as sub or not come out. You know, it's just trying to make it difficult for the coaches to to really think about whether taking me out or, or leaving me in the field. We're talking with LA Galaxy striker and midfielder Jose Villarreal. Um, Jose, you have a big game coming up against Sporting Kansas City, City a Western Conference opponent now this year. Um, what have you seen from them, and, and what do they do well, and what's going to make your job difficult? Uh, you know, they're very... Uh, yeah, they're a very team uh, team that's very uh, well brought up in, in in the sense of uh, fitness, and they like to take uh, take themselves. They're very confident in the way they play, and and you know they have really good players. You know, Dom is is a very good striker, and uh, you know, unfortunately, uh, Icopara is you know injured, but uh, he's a great defender. So it's definitely going to be a good matchup for us, and and we have to, that's a great test for us to show you know, why we're the defending champions and why we won it last year and why we should continue to win and, and, and win another championship. And finally, before I let you go, what has made StubHub Center so special over these last couple of years where uh, you guys just don't seem to lose at home? What is it? Is it the fans? Is it just feeling at home? Well, what, what's that big thing that has kept you guys on the positive side at home so much? I think it, it all comes down to the fans. You know, uh, since... Since coming out to warm up, even before warm up, uh, they're, they're tailgating, they're, they're supporting us. They're uh, the ACB, all the fans out there. They're, they're, they're so loud when we come out for warm ups, and, and you know that that maybe doesn't intimidate some of the players on the opposing team, but it intimidates some of them. So uh, it's definitely pleasing to to know that we have this, their support throughout 90 plus minutes, and they're such great fans, and, and definitely we're appreciative of the uh, the support they give us throughout the whole season. Well, Jose, certainly want to thank you for stopping by. I know you're uh, you're very busy. I'm sure this won't be the last time we'll have you on the podcast. Good luck on Saturday, and good luck with the rest of the season. And we'll all be uh, cheering you on. Thank you so much, and I and I appreciate you guys having the time to have me on the, on the show. So I know it won't be the the last, the first and last. So I'll be happy to come back again. Great, great. Certainly appreciate it, uh, Jose. All right, that's LA Galaxy striker and midfielder Jose Villarreal. 
Um, just a, a, a great guy. We really appreciate him stopping by and talking with us. All right, whenever we get back, Corey and I will be breaking down the LA Galaxy versus Sporting Kansas City. Should be a great, exciting match. Also have some LA Galaxy news on the other side of the break as well. So uh, don't go anywhere. You're listening to Corner of the Galaxy on cornerofthegalaxy.com. We'll be right back. Recording deep within Landon Donovan's secret Cambodian lair, it's Corner of the Galaxy. Welcome back to Corner of the Galaxy on cornerofthegalaxy.com. Josh and Corey with you once again. Jose Villarreal turning in a great interview for that. We certainly appreciate him coming on the show, taking some time. Been trying to get him on the show for a while, actually, Corey. So, good to... uh, Good to have him on, and, and a, a, a very fun talk. I expect uh, I expect big things from him. I don't know about you, but uh, pride of Inglewood, pride of Inglewood, Inglewood in the house. So Jose Villarreal doing a great job. Let's get to your LA Galaxy news now. Uh, the LA Galaxy news, obviously, uh, actually really busy this week. I've gotten a lot of press releases this week, Corey. Um, some of them, some of them, who cares? Some of them were were great. Um, one of that in your COG email you chain that just destroyed my inbox. That's what that's what happens whenever the LA Galaxy inside push. baseball's there for people be- behind the scenes going on. Yeah, but, yeah. Uh, Every time I get a press release from the LA Galaxy, I send it out to all the podcasters and all the writers at cornerofthegalaxy.com, so everybody gets it. And so sometimes there's not that. Sometimes it's a press release that really. Does doesn't need distributing, I think would, that would be the correct way to say it. Uh, and sometimes it's good news. Sometimes it's interesting news. The Galaxy named to the International Champions Cup in the North American side there. All uh, It it's, has 10 total teams. I know a lot of you heard about this is sort of that summer friendly that, uh, that people were wondering about and probably more than one. Um, the LA Galaxy, Manchester United, FC Barcelona, PSG, Chelsea, Porto, Club America, Fiorentina, New York Red Bulls, and the San Jose Earthquakes, all part of the International Champions Cup, which will be played, um, I think, in, in a couple different countries, too. I think there's some games being played over in Asia as well, Corey, but all hmm. of the games actually broadcast on Fox, uh, Fox Sports, Fox Sports 1, Fox Sports 2, Fox, all those channels and everything like that um, are, are all part of this. Now, the big news, or at least the rumor going on right now, is that um, Stephen Goff, that soccer insider over there on the, uh, on the East Coast, uh, reporting that FC Barcelona would play the LA Galaxy on August 1st. All right. So, and this is supposedly a Rose Bowl game, um, and that the Galaxy already have a scheduled game for that day, Corey, against Colorado. But we know how things can move whenever you want to play FC Barcelona at the Rose Bowl. I mean, when there's money involved, schedules move. All right. 
Let me write a check real quick. How do you spell Colorado? And we'll call it a day. Yeah, yeah, ten dollars to Colorado, and and then uh, then MLS gets to cash in on the rest of the uh, the windfall from this. I know there's people arguing, Corey. I think every year we have this discussion, and a lot of years I'm of the opinion that. Um, friendlies have never done anybody any good except give us money, and because they give us money, I'm okay with them, and that's it. But last year, so many guys credited their shellacking by Manchester United as actually turning the season around. The seven nothing was it seven nothing or seven one? I think it was seven nothing. I feel like I turned it off. I didn't want to pay attention anymore. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but seven nothing, uh, complete annihilation at the hands of Manchester United at the Rose Bowl last year. Um, they actually said players have said, and it's been documented that that had some effect. So if these friendlies really do have an effect, whether that's positive or negative, um, you know, are you more inclined to be okay with them, or did you never have a problem with them to begin with? I'm okay with the money that they bring, and that's pretty much it. You just try to get escape them without any injuries, right? Yes. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's really... I mean, not only, not only money, but, you know, if... I, I don't know if we've done any studies or whatnot, but <laughs> if, you get a, if you get a few more eyes, you know, tuned into a, a team where the Galaxy are playing... Yes. They come out to a Madrid game versus Galaxy, and then you know you can convert a few of those fans into Galaxy fans and supporting local soccer. Then I'm all for it. I'm just I'm not entirely sure if that actually takes place or if we have just more Euro snobs that just come out and then turn a blind eye after that. Yeah, um, I, I don't. But, know, I don't know that we've ever seen any swells of attendance after uh, after the friendlies. Um, so I think it's hard to quantify. But I'm with you. Put it in front of more eyes, and you at least have a chance. But what happens? But I mean, these games weren't taking place ten years ago. No, they weren't. This is this is good. I mean, I think it's a good. I think you need to have. I'm in agreement with you that you need to have more eyes on it. I mean, yes, everybody will complain that the that if the LA Galaxy somehow beat a team like Juventus last year um, at Dodger Stadium, if they if they somehow beat Juventus, that that means that um, you know it means nothing because we Juventus can make it is the in, Champions League quarterfinals. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Or or it means that oh, it's, it means nothing because it was in preseason. But if we get beat, then it's that MLS sucks. So it's a lose lose. But my argument is that there's really in terms of reputation for MLS, Corey, there's not a lo- real far you can go as far as being negative impact, right? So even if there is a quote-unquote perceived negative impact of the LA Galaxy losing 7 to nothing to Manchester United and everybody laughs and ah ha ha it's so funny and look how bad MLS is, MLS sucks, I feel like that any positive impact you can be far outweighs the negative impact. Does that make any sense? Like if you if you compete against a Barcelona or Real Madrid or Manchester United, then all of a sudden it's like, you know that wasn't so bad. That was that was pretty good, and so it starts to raise the reputation. What do you think? Crazy? No, I mean I'm always impressed. Um, well, I didn't watch the Manchester United game. I couldn't stomach it. But in terms of some of the games where you know they're out there playing against Real Madrid, or you've got uh, who's our big Brazilian gentleman that uh, defender that went coast to coast against Man City or or whatever happened. You know, it, it's fun little moments, and, and I think if you go and watch the game, for the most part, the Manchester game notwithstanding, the talent gap isn't quite great as people would make it out to be. It, Who am I missing? Who am I blinking on? Well, are you thinking of Kazumba? It wasn't Alex Kazumba, was it? No, 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 no. This no. is the defender that was originally on Chivas USA and then came over to the Galaxy, Brazilian, just about two years ago. DJ Lopes? 
Yes. Yep. Right. Lopez. Yes. Yeah, I know. I was. It was a DJ Lopez. What did he score? Did he score a goal against? Now, now I don't know. Yeah, it was against Man Man City or Real Madrid. No, I think it was Man City. I think it was in that game. That was the game where Mario Balotelli tried to do the crazy, uh, like, step over penalty kick and ended up missing. Junior. Oh my gosh. So anyway, yeah. So I mean, there's some fun. There's some fun moments here. Um, you know, the other thing that I think is that just the cash influx is just so good for Major League Soccer and especially the LA Galaxy. I mean, the LA you need to survive on these on these cash influxes. If it means that you get to use this rescue cash later in the year to maybe buy somebody who helps you go on to win a championship or it helps you develop like academy better, Corey, then I'm I'm all for it for that reason. I think well. that I think it's just good to have your ego stroked by some of these foreign managers and everything too. You know, they all come over and talk about how the soccer game is just growing so outstanding here stateside and they heap all these praises in these friendlies and it's just it's good to hear every once in a while well then let's move on to this Corey. i read an article in the international business times all right and it's called american soccer surprisingly huge overseas all right and this article is basically saying that yeah um MLS has been making strides, in fact, great strides recently, in actually getting the product out in the international market as far as broadcasting rights to Major League Soccer have been being sold all over the place. In fact, in the last 12 months, MLS has signed deals in Brazil, the UK, uh, different areas in Europe, the Middle East, North Africa, and has some in the works in Asia as well. So all of these places, and they say that MLS will actually be available in 80% of the markets that are requesting, you know, that have soccer coverage, 80% of those markets will have major league soccer coverage. So while it, while Americans may be slow to grasp MLS, which I don't believe, by the way, I think that they're, they're, it's picking up steam and it has for quite a while. And so I expect the game to continue to grow in the United States and eventually all the soccer snobs uh, who live in the United States will die out and uh, everybody who's grown up with the game will relax. But even with that, that the game is growing internationally. And I found that the biggest reason why the game is so popular in international circles is the one reason that people, especially like, you know, the pro relegation truthers um, talk about the winter schedule is because of that schedule, Corey, when everybody else is off people who are starving for soccer, they'll watch MLS. No, that's fair enough. And and it makes sense. Um, You know, and, and, and I think just, this is, this is more a business insider type thing, but not only here in the States, but in all the countries, the number of channels and the, the quantity of television that's available to people has just exploded. Yeah. That there's all these channels that are seeking properties that they can go ahead and broadcast. And so the MLS just becomes one of these properties that they, that these channels have the ability to purchase and then distribute and broadcast and hopefully draw some eyes in a time where – like you said, people are thirsty for soccer and they wouldn't normally be able to find it. But on a Saturday, I mean, if you're in England or somewhere in Europe and it's, you know, one, two in the morning and you've got a game on um, for them, you know, that's exciting for them to, you know, in the middle of July or August and they haven't seen a league game for three or four months, they're looking forward to it. Maybe right. it's something that'll catch their eye and keep their eyes on those channels for an additional 90 minutes. Well, we have we have Dutch fans. I have some Dutch listeners who listen to the show. I have some UK listeners who listen to the show and talk to me on Twitter. So, I mean, it's out there. Granted, it's sort of I mean, you want to talk about like... She's not real, Josh. Yeah, it's the Skype call test lady. That's what I was saying earlier before we did it. But, I mean, there's, there's lots of things. The other thing is that obviously it's live sports and any live sporting event is in demand 
around right now because it's really the only thing people won't DVR, and so the 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 advertising dollars still mean. Can what you they DVR? Can you DVR games? I can't. Oh, I can't. Yeah. Nope. Doesn't happen. I can't do it either. No, it does because I want to know what the score is. Plus, I have about thirty different alerts for LA Galaxy right. games. How would I be able to turn them all off? I just, I mean, um, you, you just any type of sporting event. No. I don't have the patience to go back. You, you, know, you know, it's over. To catch up, and, and I can fast forward through. You know, yeah. soccer. You can't really do this, but even just another live sporting event, you could fast forward through commercials or whatever. I just, I just don't. Ha- I, all right, I'm just going to fast forward and catch up to wherever we are in the sixth inning or the third quarter or the sixtieth minute. Yeah, yeah, exactly, and and I'm I'm with you 100%. I can't do it, and it's been proven that most people don't do it, actually, which is why it's still such a hot commodity for um, advertising. So that's one of the other reasons, and, and the final reason that they put in this article, and this article was written by, I want to get the guy's name right, uh, Max Willens, and it's at Max Willens, M-A-X-W-I-L-L-E-N-S, on Twitter, um, if you want to follow him and thank him for writing such a such an interesting article, um, the the final reason is that the old stars like the Kakas and the David Beckham's and the Thierry Henrys and the Robbie Keens and all these guys who still carry their names, Frank Lampard, Steven Gerrard, um, even though they're they're past sort of their prime, as they say in this article, that they still have they still have like international appeal. There's still people be who like if watch we them. wanted to watch Kobe Bryant playing in China, Ex- we would we, we, we would flip in. over the channel at at uh, one in the morning just to see what. Kobe Kobe's doing to uh, to the Chinese basketball league. Or something. I, I guarantee you, I would stop and watch it at least for a couple minutes, right? And it's that type of thing that they're looking for, and the advertisers are looking for, and everybody. So two MLS games a week over in the UK on Sky Sports. How cool is that, too? So um, anyway, it's uh, it's some good news for MLS. It's good news for the LA Galaxy as we talk about the International Champions Cup, getting your name out there, putting it into the international market. The LA Galaxy are one of the few um, MLS teams who have sort of that international presence. All right, and so it's important for the Galaxy to be in these international cups, even if they do get beat sometimes really badly. Go out there, and every once in a while, you're going to get a surprise too, like the Juventus game where the Galaxy won, or even when Barcelona, when they just lost two to one to Barcelona. The talent gap isn't against the first teams in my mind; it's against the second teams where you really see the issue. And so that's what you're getting with these friendlies. So if you want to sell your tickets as a season ticket holder, though, Corey, I have zero issues with that either. Make your money. Do your thing. Let people sit in your seats. That's fine as well. Um, you know, just bottom line is these have to happen, and and it's good for the LA Galaxy, and it's good that they can continue to put money into the product. That way, Uncle Phil doesn't bo- doesn't blink an eye whenever we need to go uh, buy a rescue designated player or something like that. So you right. keep saying that. I'm just telling you know, just in case, just in case you know, Omar Gonzalez needs to go somewhere, and we need to get another designated player or something. So anyway, uh, let's see. I'm trying to think of any other news. Omar Gonzalez, uh, like we alluded to a little bit earlier, and um, Jossie's artist both went 90 minutes for the U.S. men's national team in the friendly against Mexico. The United States won that two to nothing. You all already knew that. Um, we won't talk about so much the games. We will talk about the play real quick. Corey Omar Gonzalez, um, one of the best defensive performances I've seen, and Jossie's artist, solid. Um, really tough for him to play with his back against goal the whole night on a really rough field in a Ugh. place where he was getting hacked constantly. I mean, he he took a lot of fouls and a lot of uh, a lot of pressure, and it'll be interesting to see if Bruce puts them in the lineup coming up on Saturday. Uh, Twelman complimented Zardis on a number of occasions, just his ability to get in, or no. Alexi, Alexi complimented yeah, yeah. him on a number of occasions in terms of his ability to get in positions, not be afraid to draw contact, um, and and I think he played really well, and and hence the reason he was given ninety minutes on what was undoubtedly one of the worst fields I've ever seen. Yeah, I would have rather played on turf. I said that at the very beginning. Much would have rather played up in Seattle or something like that. And it's not like, it's like all the other grass fields in the entire United States were busy that we had to go take 
poorly laid sod on concrete inside where we knew it was already dying and it would never have a chance to actually be anything but horrible. I mean, it's like, it just doesn't make any, to me, U.S. soccer, I'm really glad that they decided to to take the cash money that that game provided down near uh, the Mexico border, obviously, and get the the large uh, Mexican contingent there for that USA-Mexico game. I'm glad they did that, but not at the expense of any players and seeing Kyle Beckerman go down, and I'm not a huge Kyle Beckerman fan, but I, he says he's going to be okay. Um, so that's, that's, what, that's the good news for RSL fans if you're an RSL fan. Um, but it's ridiculous that they put any of those players at risk on that field doing that just for money. They could have played at a grass field somewhere else in the state of Texas even and had um, you know, a, a large contingent of fans there just as much. Didn't need to do that in my opinion. Just, just here, my, here. Just, just my two cents. All right, Corey, the standings. We'll just go over the Western Conference because that's all we really care about. And Sporting Kansas City and the LA Galaxy both in the Western Conference. So as we get ready to preview get that game, you look at the Vancouver Whitecaps still at the very top, 13 points, seven games played. Um, they are number one position with FC Dallas at 10 points, six games played. San Jose Earthquakes right now currently in third, nine points, six games played. Here's where it's fun. Basically, everybody's only separated by a couple points. You look at uh, San Jose at nine points, Real Salt Lake at nine points. In fifth spot, it's Sporting Kansas City with nine points. The Houston Dynamo, the sixth spot at eight points. The LA Galaxy, the seventh spot at eight points. And the Seattle Sounders at the eighth spot with seven points. Only five games played for them. Um, To round out the bottom, it's Colorado Rapids and then the Portland Timbers at the very, 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 very bottom um, with six points. So really one win gets them out of the basement and, you know, into a good position. It's all just sort of jumbled up right now. Parody, there you go. You, you happy about it, Corey? You, you excited? Um, not right now. <laughs> no, there's, there's, the LA Galaxy <laughs> weren't last, just, all right? Before they're, they're one point. They're oh well, they're a couple points ahead of Colorado Rapids. So I'm gonna I'm gonna uh, just hold off on the excitement level there for a minute. Yeah, exactly. I understand what you mean. Um, all right, so I guess we turn our attention now to the LA Galaxy versus Sporting Kansas City. 7.30 p.m. kickoff time at StubHub Center. This game is available on Time Warner Cable Sportsnet and Time Warner Cable Deportes for my friends in Espanol. Um, should be a really fun match. Um, I'm kind of upset that, um, that Eichel Parra got hurt, um, as you heard Jose Villarreal allude to, um, only because he was their leading goal scorer as a defender, and that's always fun. Um, to see, and he's he's like he really is sort of the heart of that team. I have a feeling that they're going to be very hurt by his injury, Corey, and it it should be pretty interesting. I I mean, and not only just hurt, but ruptured an Achilles tendon, and that's not something that's fun to deal with. Four so you, you you feel for the guy. You know, they moved on from an Aurelian Collin, who I think went to um, Orlando Orlando City this past year. So they lost a guy who'd been a a fixture in their defensive line and they had hoped that Opara would step in and fill that fill that role but now they're going to have to move on from that. So um some familiar faces like Roger Espinosa coming back into the lineup who'd been gone for a few years. Mm-hmm. Um and then they've got Phil Haber and Dom Dwyer and some of the other guys but a little bit of change but still coached by Peter Vermes and still sort of the same uh 4-3-3 that that we've grown accustomed to seeing for them. So 
Yeah, the LA Galaxy in the last five games, uh, let's see, two wins, two draws, two losses. Obviously, it's the uh, first, excuse me, the last six games, uh, the first six games of the season. Um, so 2-2-2, two, two, and two, Sporting Kansas City, uh, let's see, three draws, uh, two wins, and one loss. I know that's all crazy, but I was looking at the way that they were strung out in current form there. Uh, the last time these two teams played was July 19th in 2014. You remember the LA Galaxy were on, I think, a little bit of a winning streak and went into Sporting Kansas City um, at their, uh, or away from uh, StubHub Center and lost 2-1. to one. Um, Before that, you'd have to go back to April 20th of 2013, where the LA Galaxy beat Sporting Kansas City at StubHub Center, uh, two to nothing, and it sort of gets strung out as you go backwards over uh, over 2012 with SKC winning at their place. Um, you know, a tie at SK- SKC in 2011, um, and then a win in LA. So it looks like for the most part, these two uh, these two teams hold serve, so to speak. They each like to win at home. So for the LA Galaxy, I'm sure that's a uh, that's a very good thing. Um, Sporting Kansas City coming off of the 0-0 draw with Real Salt Lake, a game in which Real Salt Lake uh, did a good job to earn a point on the road against Sporting who was uh, very amped up and, and very excited. No, I think I think uh, for, for the Galaxy, they have something that they can be proud of in terms of eking out a result. Kansas City, you know, with the way that that Salt Lake have come into the season and we're playing, I think it's a good result for them. And I just think it's it's a testimony to the fact that the the Western Conference could really turn into a bloodbath this year. And, yeah. and I don't think anybody's going to get away, get too far out in front. And I don't think people are going to be clear of that red line and clinch playoff spots until pretty late into the season. So... Um, if it's not one team, it's another, and all of the games are going to be are going to be tough for one another. Bruce Arena, so was talking to reporters on Thursday, said that, uh, and I quote: "We have players that have been injured over the last two or three weeks, going to likely return. Jose Villarreal, Robbie Keane is a possibility. Mika Veronin is a possibility. AJ De La Garza is coming back from a slight injury. Edson Buttle probably is going to be available. Um, so that's uh, that's an end quote from Bruce Arena. There. What are the chances you put them at? Uh, I think for Robbie specifically for Robbie Keane, Robbie Keane said, let's see earlier. Let's see. Also on Thursday, he said, I feel good. I trained for the first time. I just have to assess before the game on Saturday over the next two days to see if there's no reaction. If there's no reaction, I'll be ready to go, but we have to see how these next two days are. I think he's 50, 50 right now. I don't think you can go any further than that. I think everybody else on that list is probably a little bit closer. So I think, uh, Jose Villarreal, as you heard him, he says that he's been training. I think he feels pretty good. There's a good chance he plays Against Sporting Kansas City, I think you can get Varanin back. AJ De La Garza is going to be in there, from what I understand. He played in the last game. Um, the real question now becomes whether or not Bruce plays Omar or and uh, Jossie Zardis. He says, um, and I quote, he said, however, we have to be cautious with players that played with the U.S. team last night. That will be their third game in a week. we got to make a decision on whether they're going to be involved with our team on Saturday. So remember Sunday. You just hope Omar got in the cold tub right after that Mexico game because that turf did not look forgiving, and you wonder if... You don't have a strain here or a knock there or walking around on the concrete didn't do your knees in. So you just hope he gets back, gets in the cold tub, and and uh, it'll be interesting to see. With with Leonardo out, you wonder then if they go Meyer and De La Garza and, and, see, what, and see what you can partner with that. But otherwise, 
you know, you see see what Omar feels like and and tell him to suck it up and get in there. Yeah, and if and if uh, Zardis doesn't go, does Villarreal slide up and then you move somebody over to the left? I mean, there's so many question marks with the injuries of how they are and who they'll play. It'll be interesting to see how that all comes down. Um, you know, the whole uh, the the whole guys on the U.S. men's national team come back. I have a feeling that both of these guys are young enough that they both play. That's just my opinion. That's n- not based on anything, but I think you'll see both of them for. I mean, it's exciting for Zardis to get 90 minutes, but as a Galaxy fan, you're kind. Kind of like, oh, uh, you could have pulled him after 30. Get him out of there. 60, yeah. Yeah, I know. I was like, oh, that's really, when is he going to pull Zardis? When is he going to pull? No, no, you're just going to let him burn. Let him burn there. So anyway, uh, good performances by both Zardis and Omar Gonzalez. I'm I'm hopeful that they both play. So the LA Galaxy face off against Sporting Kansas City, 7.30 p.m., Time Warner Cable Sportsnet, Time Warner Cable Deportes. Um, make sure you're there. LAGalaxy.com forward slash tickets. You can go to StubHub get tickets as well. Should be a well-attended Saturday night soccer game i'm excited you're excited if you've seen that uh did you ever see so i married an axe murderer Corey? wow i know throwing it back you went way back i did i did but did you did you see that you've seen it right mike myers I have. yeah it's a great it's, it's i always get it confused with adventures and babysitting though no that yeah those are two different don't don't get confused so mike myers when and he plays a bunch of the different characters like he has been known to do but it was before he went like really crazy I mean, this one's more tame than, like, you know, Austin Powers or any of those. Um, sure. So, so it was really good. But anyway, they have the whole scene where he's playing his own dad, and his dad is Scottish, and he's singing a Saturday, S-A-T-U-R-D-A-Y. Ah, S-A-T-U-R-D-A-Y. That whole scene, that's what, that's what I'm feeling right now. I'm feeling we the Saturday night. We have got to cut that sound up and play it every time there's a Saturday game Saturday from now night the soccer. end of the season. He's like, head, turn off the base city rollers. The soccer game's on. Swear to God, he says that. So anyway, you'll see it. I'm from my Twitter account. I've been tweeting it out a couple times. And for those of you who didn't retweet it, that's art right there. All right. How have that's you it. not clipped the sound of that? I, you know what it is? You're getting lazy. You know what it is? It's copyright infringement, Corey. I can't do it. So if, as long as I sing it, it's fine. If I actually played it, we be we'd be done it'd be over we wouldn't make all the big bucks that we normally make so you know that's how it is all right nobody's gonna listen to this anyway <laughs> it's it's already over anything else Corey? before we get out of here no you can find me on twitter at Corey ritzow i will predict a two to one galaxy victory since i did that last time and it worked enough to get three points that is that is bold my friend, very, very bold. So um, I will. Pre- I am what I am, my friend. I, I will predict a 2 nothing victory by the LA Galaxy. Coming back to their winning ways, a shutout. Get us some more tacos, Jaime Pinedo. That's how it goes. All right. Uh, let's see. That is going to do it. The LA Galaxy, again, face off against Sporting Kansas City, 7.30 p.m. Stub Hub Center. Get there early. Tailgate. Do all that fun stuff. Come say hi to me. I'll be at the game. Tweet me at Galaxy Podcast, at Jay Guessman. Come say hi. I promise. I'll be, I'll be nice. I'll take pictures. I'll do whatever you want. We'll have a good time. All right. For Mr. Corey Ritzel. Actually, before I even get to you, Corey, I want to thank, again, the LA Galaxy, Jose Villarreal, for coming on to the show. Thank Chris Glidden over at LA Galaxy PR for arranging that. Super great, fun times. Uh, you're listening to Back Pocket Memory. And, of course, we had music from Drop City Yacht Club as well. Please go to iTunes and download their stuff as soon as you possibly can. All right. For Mr. Corey Ritzel. I'm Josh Gessman. You've been listening to Corner of the Galaxy on cornerofthegalaxy.com, and we will catch you next time.
you've been listening to the Corner of the Galaxy podcast on cornerofthegalaxy.com. You can follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at Galaxy Podcast, and be sure to check out and subscribe to iTunes, Stitcher, and Facebook by searching for Corner of the Galaxy. And for all of your independent LA Galaxy news, discussion, and entertainment, including this podcast, head on over to cornerofthegalaxy.com. Corner of the Galaxy and its related podcasts are part of Backheel.com. Backheel.com is a collection of soccer podcasts and multimedia offerings covering soccer around the world. You can follow them at Backheel.com. Fans, thanks for listening. We ask that you be kind and courteous to your neighbors as you leave the podcast. We thank you for joining us. We look forward to seeing you here again. Until then, I'm Michael Arajo, and on behalf of the entire Corner of the Galaxy crew, goodbye, everybody.